This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. There's good all around us. Let's hear about it. Welcome to Do Good Charlotte on the Queen City Podcast Network. I'm Pamela Escobar. In each Do Good Charlotte podcast, you will find out who's helping, who could use a helping hand, and just how you can spread around your own good. In this episode of Do Good Charlotte, we are trying something different, speed dating, if you will, with a group of organizations that need your help. In this episode of Do Good Charlotte, we're not focusing on just one nonprofit. We're doing lightning rounds with a handful of them because it's Share Charlotte's Giving Tuesday. This is one of the biggest fundraising events of the year for Charlotte nonprofits. Over the last nine years, it has inspired more than 31,000 new donors and $36 million in donations. So we are at the Community Matters Cafe in Uptown Charlotte as shares host the power of We Celebration to rev up support for local nonprofits. We've got a handful of them here today that we're going to meet with and talk about their goals for this Giving Tuesday. If you're moved to join any of their causes, just head to ShareCharlotte.com. It has a list of all these organizations and more with ways to get involved. So let's jump in. First, we have Angela Gray, who's the founder and the executive director of Rick's Market Foundation. So Angela, welcome to Do Good Charlotte. Thank you. So Angela, tell me, um, why do you do what you do? Um, well, it started with... Um, Really, as a little girl growing up in Detroit, I've been in Charlotte for 15 years, but was raised in Detroit, Michigan, and noticed that the grocery stores in our neighborhood were very different than those outside, and I just remember asking my mom why, and she said, well, they kind of have a captive audience and don't have to do better, so I said, well, when I grow up, I'm going to do a free grocery store for poor people, and she responded, well, you won't be in business very long, (laughs) so (laughs) I kind of took it as a challenge, and in high school, I worked for um, the Detroit Science Center. And they were a nonprofit, and so I kind of figured, wow, I don't have to do a free grocery store, but I can do a nonprofit grocery store. So we are working to open Charlotte's first full-service nonprofit grocery store. That's awesome. So everyone, I feel like everyone in Charlotte is from somewhere else, and that's awesome <laughs> that you came to Charlotte and you brought your great ideas with you. So you had this vision as a kid. Mm-hmm. Now you have the adult vision. Yes. What is that? So really, I say the easiest way to think of it is a public store Harris Teeter. That's what we mean by full service in a low to moderate income neighborhood. We believe you meet people where they are with the goal of moving them to healthier by subsidizing the cost of healthy foods. Also, we believe that education is a very big piece, which ties into our Giving Tuesday app, um, as well as affordability. So you have to have access, affordability, and education. Smart. So let's talk about your ask. What are you asking people to donate, and what will you do with those donations? So we are seeking to raise $20,000. Last year, we were able to provide 500 homeless children in Charlotte with gift boxes containing a $10 grocery store gift card, um, holiday sweets, and some healthy treats, along with a mini gingerbread house kit. We also got donations of 100 small hotel motel friendly cooking appliances such as slow cookers and air fryers for those families to be able to prepare the food that they could do with the gift card. We want to do that again this year, but we want to increase because of the cost of food. The gift card is from $10 per child to 25 So when you talk about those appliances, 
Talk about your population. Talk about your audience. Who are you helping? Yeah, so um, when you think of homeless children, that's a little bit different than, you know, when a lot of us imagine a person on the street. Um, families of homeless children, they may actually live with someone but don't have a permanent residence, so they may be sleeping on someone's couch. Um, they may be sleeping in a car, or a lot of them are in temporary housing such as hotels and motels, which is why we ask for the appliances so that, they can stretch the food donations that they receive. Um, when you've met some of these families, what has been the reaction? Um, so, actually, we work with a child's place in CMS. Um, I can tell you wonderful stories. We've done this about 12 years. It started with just me and my husband. Um, he's a graduate of Johnson & Wells, and so it was his idea to do the whole gingerbread. But just to see the kids, and it was funny because we were a part of another organization's event, and they gave out coats and shoes and kind of some basics, and the kids would be so glum. But when they would see that gingerbread house, their eyes would light up. And so um, it was just opportunity during the holidays I think everyone should you know have that spirit of joy and so this is a small way for us to make sure that those kids even though they're in a really bad situation at this time know that they're loved and that you know there's hope there is hope and I love that recognize that it's not just giving them the basics it's giving them joy as well giving them an activity to do an interaction um, and it sounds like your husband knows how to cook yeah <laughs> <laughs> so those recipes are probably really helpful is there anything that you want people to understand it sounds like to me okay we're on giving Tuesday Christmas isn't too far away like you've got to do this in a really short amount we of time. do so we will distribute the boxes December 12th so it's really important that we get the funds and enough time and we've had some donations from Walmart and Publix but we still need a lot <laughs> it's a lot of money um, and so we've had great volunteers to help assemble the boxes and to help us to distribute um, to the, the other nonprofits but it is really important. Like, we put a lot of love and care um, and decorate so that they know it wasn't something that was haphazardly put together, but it really was assembled with love. With love. How do we find you? So our website is ricksmarket.org. So, and RIC stands for Roots in the Community um, because we believe not one organization is going to solve food insecurity, but if we all come together that we can find long-term sustainable solutions to ensure that everyone has access to fresh, healthy, affordable food. Well, Angela, thank you so much for coming today. I so appreciate you <laughs> sharing your story. I wish we had more time, but I think people will understand how important this is. And so thank you so much. Thank it's you. a great way to kick off our day. Thank <laughs> you. All right, now we are back with the International House of Charlotte. Autumn, please tell us a little bit about what International House does. Yeah, so basically at the core of our mission is we're ensuring that immigrants thrive because when they thrive, our entire community thrives. Well, tell me how they find you. A lot of times it's word of mouth because other members of their community have received assistance from us, whether it's through our legal clinic or our education programs or even our multicultural programs. And here in Charlotte, International House is such a special place. When you think about all these families and people that you help, are there any stories that stand out to you that like sort of touch your heart? Oh, yeah. Well, there's several stories, but one that comes to mind most recently was one of our recently naturalized citizens. She was one of 60 this year who have been naturalized. 
and she is 90 years old, and she has been waiting three decades to become a citizen of the U.S., and when the officer asked her how she felt, she said she finally felt free. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, that hits me hard. Um, so my mom, my mom became a citizen later on in life, too. She didn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen right away. People don't understand how hard this process is. And so were you walking with her those three decades? Were you with her? We were. Um, so because of the country she came from, a lot of people don't understand that the immigration laws are dependent on the country of origin. Um, and for her particular case, you know, we were able to help her sustain her green card and her work permits and, and her permanent residency, but it was not until recently that she became eligible for citizenship. So that sense of relief to know that this is home and you're yeah. staying. And, um, and policy won't change. That would send you back to a land that you no longer know. And, and haven't known. Yeah. Uh, wow. So I'm sure people listening are thinking, how can I help? If I donate money today, how will this help all the people you help? Yeah, so really with the $20 a month, so you think about two, you know, fast food meals a month, you can make a huge impact for our families. Collectively, when 25 people give $20 a month, we support um, entire families, four entire families throughout an entire year with ESL classes and legal assistance. And that is an entire family. So sometimes our families are as large as 12. Other times they may be a, a family of one. So when you say English is a second language, ESL, those classes, that's helping people. Because to become a citizen or if people are interested in that process, you need to know English, right? You do. You need to know English. But also in order to um, seek sustainable employment here in the U.S., you need to know English. And so we offer a work in the U.S. English class. And then we also offer a health literacy class because we realized through the pandemic that our immigrant neighbors needed to have a better grasp on how to access health care here in the U.S. So you need 25 people to give $20 a month. Yeah. And, and how do they do that? How do they sign up to do that? Where can we find you? They can go to IHCLT.org and click on the donate button on the upper right-hand corner. And there is um, an option to create a recurring monthly donation. And for people who are curious, when you say international house, I mean, that's anybody in the world? Anybody in the world. And most people don't realize the majority of our clients come from African and Asia countries and territories. So it is um, truly an international endeavor that we are on. And if you don't have someone on staff who speaks their language, how do you navigate that with them? Because these are families you're helping for a long time. They are. Um, so we are lucky in that um, amongst our staff, there's about six to ten languages spoken, depending on the interns we have at any given time. But we also use a local translation service. We also have various computer programs that we use, not Google Translate. We don't use that one. Uh, but I'm guessing there's probably things that are a little bit more accurate. Yeah, yeah. a little bit more accurate. Um, our website, for example, can be translated into over 100 languages, as well as the primary resource website we use for referrals. Well, Autumn, I hope you're successful in your pursuit today. Giving Tuesday is a special day for so many different organizations. Um, have you found so far in talking to people today that people are receptive to the idea? Uh, yeah, actually, we, 
so far people have been very generous today and leading up to today and so we hope the momentum will continue and we just um, thank them from the bottom of our hearts for allowing us to do this work and making such a big impact on our community. Yeah, because it helps all of us. That's right. Uh, immigrants are a huge economic driving force within Charlotte and across the United States. And without them, we would have even larger deficits of employees and critical positions. All right, so International House, which is IHCLT.org. Correct. All right, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you. So now we have Jazz Arch Charlotte, and I am with Patrick Brown, the Education Director. So Patrick, welcome to Do Good Charlotte. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited that you're here. So first, tell me, why do you do what you do? Well, I do what I do because of the mission of Jazz Arch Charlotte, which is to connect the cultural community and develop an audience for jazz through quality education, performance, and musician support. So I believe in that mission wholeheartedly, and that's why I'm here. So does your organization help kids or adults as well? We do a lot of our programs right now for kids specifically, but we also have adult education programs, and we're expanding those adult education programs. So as a mom, I want to know, like, what does the program look like if my kid's coming to you who has no clue what they're doing? Absolutely. So we have various uh, education programs for middle school and high school. We have a large group Latin jazz ensemble. We also have small groups that are focusing on jazz improvisation. We also have our Jazz in Schools, which is an assembly-type program for elementary kids. What is jazz? Uh, and we're getting ready to hopefully very soon be bringing back our preschool jazz through Jazz and Lincoln Center called Weebop. Uh, yeah, so we're excited about this. Weebop, that sounds like so much fun. Do you play jazz? Or are you? I do. I'm a jazz musician. I actually have a doctorate in jazz studies, and I'm a saxophonist. Uh, I spend a lot of time in education, and so that's really where my passion is. So this is a perfect fit. I'm guessing, though, jazz, when it's played by kids or they're being exposed to it for the first time, it doesn't necessarily sound as good as it could be. How do you um, get to the point where it's digestible? Yeah, so <laughs> one of the first things I tell students is uh, to help ease their mind a little bit. I say, okay, there's no wrong notes in jazz. There's only better choices. And so we learn how to take those choices and move them about to help them sound good. But it's getting over that fear of being wrong and knowing that they're in a safe space. So. I mean, that's a good life lesson. You can do that in life, Absolutely. too. There's no bad choices. Absolutely. You can make better ones. Um, that's awesome. So Giving Tuesday is a big day. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to get people to donate. So if I donate to you guys, what happens with the money? Well, a lot of those, a lot of your donations will go specifically to our education programs to help fund the scholarships, uh, help students that are not able to afford our, our program. Uh, our Latin Jazz Ensemble is free thanks to a grant, but we would love to have some more donations to be able to help those students and reach students that are not able to afford it. So that's one of the biggest missions for us is helping our education programs and help funding those. And it looks like you have a goal today to attract 60 new donors um, how is that going so far? Yeah, I think it's going really well. So we, our, our campaign is the power of music. We all have that song or multiple songs that we connect with, and we think about it, and it, and it positively affects our life. So we want to hear your stories. We've shared some of ours on our social media, uh, and we want to hear other people's stories. But so far, things are going well. So tell me some of those stories. What are some of the stories that you've shared or people in staff have well, shared? Well, I know uh, personally one of my stories is there was a John Coltrane uh, song, uh, my very first album, Blue Train, that I ever heard, jazz album. And I used to run home after school and play along with it. 
every day and just trying to sound exactly like Coltrane. And uh, now when I hear that, I get goosebumps and I just think back to young me learning jazz. It's a pretty special memory. So young you, was that like record player or that was, CD? Thank, no, that was actually a CD. I'm not quite that old yet. <laughs> okay, but, right, uh, right. Although there were some records in the house, but that was a CD, which some of our students don't know what CDs are. Yeah, so, but yeah. I was a cassette tape kid but myself. Yeah, no. Well, well so, that, so that's what I'm thinking about when you're replaying it. Is it rewinding and making yeah, or whatever? Yeah. Or are we shuffling? I was sort of, yeah, I was cassette, and then I remember when CDs were introduced. For me, it was rewinding, you know, the cassette tape and things like that. But, uh, yeah, I, I remember CDs coming out. That was a big deal. So when you're teaching kids, when you're talking about these stories, I love this, that you're sharing stories about specific songs. I think that's what's cool about music now is that kids are finding things, and it doesn't matter when it was released. Right, right. Well, a lot of what we do, too, through jazz, we teach about American history. Uh, the African-American culture through that music. And, and that's kind of how we connect. It's a historical, I feel like we're always in jazz, we're not just teaching them how to play jazz. We're focused on the historical and the educational part of that as well. So we just try to emphasize that as we expose them to it. And it kind of connects, you know, when we're talking about civil rights and things like that, we can talk about specific music that was out during those time periods. And music, as we know, the power of music, how important that is. Uh, you hear music and it brings you to a specific memory and specific time. So that's what we're shooting for. Right. And then even the composer who's writing the music in that time frame, how that influences the sound, what that, you know, what they're capturing. Absolutely. You may, may not be saying it with words. They're Absolutely. saying it with notes, right? Absolutely. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome that you're you're using music to teach kids life lessons, but also um, awesome jazz as well. Um, if I'm if I want to learn more, because they're not going to be able to listen to us, you and I talk too much. But how can they go find you online? Well, our website is thejazzarts.org. Uh, our donate is back thejazzarts.org/slash/donate, uh, and you can check out our website and visit more about all of our programs. The the T H E Jazz. Yeah, T H E Jazz Arts dot org. Arts dot org. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So we can go on there. We can see other people's stories about music. Yep. We encourage people who are donating to also share their stories about jazz. Yeah, we also encourage you to find us on Facebook. You can see a lot of those stories. Our marketing director has been sharing those uh, stories on Facebook. So add us on Facebook and find us on social media, Instagram, all those. All right, Jazz, it's a great life lesson, and um, it can be lots of fun for kids, too. Thank you so much. Thank you. So now we're back with First Gen Success. I'm with Kavita Bombri, who is the board member. Kavita, welcome to Do Good Charlotte. Thank you so much. We are so appreciative of your time and the opportunity um, and can't wait to talk a little bit more about our nonprofit. Yeah, so let's talk about you and the nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So first, tell me about you and why you do this work. You know, Pam, that's so interesting. I stumbled upon first-gen success in an article, um, and I said, oh, my gosh, the work that they're doing is with high school students females, those who identify themselves as first-gen students, um, first in their families to go to college, and 
that was the calling. And I said, I have to fill out a volunteer application. And I had a wonderful interview with Tamika Beavers, who is our executive director. And the rest is history. Here I am, from a volunteer to a board member. Here to I a am. board member. And um, why does first generation, why does that speak to you? Is that, is that something personal with you? Or is it just um, women that you've interacted with that that's, that 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 particular group is so important. So I came here to this country in 2003 to get my MBA from Fairleigh Dickinson University, go Knights. Um, but at the same time, I was the first in my family to not only sit on a plane and come over seven, from India uh, to the United States and start that college journey uh, by myself and you know look for opportunities and resources um, to have a life here in the United States. Uh, and there's such a huge difference difference between kids who've had parents who've gone to college and kids mm -hmm. who don't. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you don't necessarily realize that unless you've lived that experience. Mm -hmm. But So it's wonderful that this organization is trying to help kids mm -hmm. who are that first generation, mm -hmm. give them that support system mm -hmm. that maybe they don't have naturally in their homes. It doesn't mean that their parents don't care. It's just that Correct. their parents don't know what they don't know. Correct. And our modules are centered around life skill development, career preparedness, college readiness, something that our high school you know, juniors and seniors will take with them and know how to operate in a college environment. You know, um, We both know there's going to be no bell, there's going to be no cafeteria, there's going to be nobody telling you exactly what to do, but you're going to be independent. I think First Gen Success is a wonderful organization that gives those steps and the resources to our female students to be successful. So how, did, how does your organization find these students, these young women? We do have a partnership with a couple of schools, um, and what we do is a application process. There is an interview process that goes through, and then the students are, are scholars, as we call them. That's how they get chosen into the program. So when you think of some of the young women that you volunteered and helped with first, what have they gone on to do? They have all we are very proud to say that our scholars have 100% placement um, into a four-year university. And I, we want to take a little credit for that, but at the same time, I think we have prepared our young scholars to get that responsibility, to get that accountable. Live your dreams. There is a way. You just have to find and connect that resource. So we, we maintain our communication with our scholars um, in that manner. and four-year university, preparing them for the workforce, it's just a blessing to be part of their journey in a very small way. So if I am going to donate to your organization, First Gen Success, what happens with the money? What are you so going to do with it? We are always looking at scholarship opportunities for our scholars. We are looking at growing our programming efforts so we can put in more modules and more workshop sessions that can help our scholars be prepared, um, not only for college readiness, but also career preparedness as well. Um, we're also looking at getting more volunteers involved as well. We currently have 100 new volunteers to help us with our programming support, uh, and that means people like you, people like me, who start off as volunteers and may get into a board position as well. Um, and we're also looking at increasing our social media presence by increasing our followers um, on social media. Okay, so if I'm looking for you on social media or if I'm looking for you online, where do I go? 
First Gen Success. You can follow us on our social media, on Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Instagram as well. We will be tagging this particular uh, event here today and me being here today. So I, I hope you can um, follow us and see what our program does for our scholars. And to be clear, if I want to volunteer with your organization, I don't have to be a First Gen student, but I can, if I've gone to college, I have information that I can share, right? You're so correct. This is a great opportunity to give back to the community and shaping our future. Um, you don't have to be a first-gen, um, identify as a first-gen uh, individual. Uh, if you are, it helps because you have a, a connection, a common theme to bond on and give some more um, helpful hints on how to navigate life, how to navigate college and uh, the career world as well. So um, it helps if you are a first-gen uh, individual, but if you are not, we would love to have you and have your experiences um, and help you connect with our young scholars as well. And it looks like you guys are looking for very specific goals, which I like accountability, mm -hmm. so I think that's awesome. So mm -hmm. you want five new volunteers. That's what you're hoping to gain. Mm -hmm. You want 10000 for scholarship funds. Mm -hmm. And then, so the scholarship funds, just to clarify, so the scholarship funds are for the girls to go to school. college. Oh, it is. So okay. we try to cover dorm fees, residence hall fees, books, supplies, food supplies, you know, if you're going into a residence hall, you're going to need bedding, you're going to need those supplies. Any resources that we can help with is what we are looking for, you know. Awesome. Um, we don't, we're in the business of bearing down barriers and disparities. We're in the business of bringing people together um, with a shared vision of let's bring these young scholars to the college. You know, let, let's help them, give them the tools, give them the resources that they need so they can be successful yep. uh, in their journey. Yeah, and it's in the name, First Gen Success. First Gen Success. So we are setting you up for success. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. People should look for you online and on social and yep. donate, right? Giving Tuesday, that's what we need. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you. So now we're back with Commonwealth Charlotte. This is Chuck Jones, who's the executive director. So Chuck, so welcome to Do Good Charlotte. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so tell me about why you do what you do. There are a lot of people that uh, struggle financially, and a lot of the options that they have have always been financial assistance. So if they get in a jam, they, they, they try to find money to uh, as financial aid, if you will. Uh, we're about something different. We're about financial capability building. So what we want to do is help someone uh, build assets. We want to help them improve their credit. We want them to have a long-term view of wealth so that they actually become more financially capable and less reliant on financial assistance. And when you can do that, you really see hope in people that you don't have otherwise. I'm going to use the analogy, you're teaching people how to fish instead of just giving them fish. You are. Uh, but there's a lot of people that work very, very hard, and they just don't make a lot of money. And so what we try to do is help them stretch that. We help them try to uh, decide and, and, and just determine where they spend their money. We don't tell anybody what to do, but we do say if you can understand what you're doing with your money, then you can make the decisions that will help you get to a better place financially. And um, that's, that makes every day worth living. Yeah. So how do you find the people you help? 
We have been called one of the most collaborative nonprofits in Charlotte. We work with over 70 other organizations. And whatever they're doing, we come in and do the financial literacy and education and counseling piece of their pie. So that enables us to get clients who are suffering from addiction, clients who have had homelessness, clients who have suffered from mental health issues, and just people who are trying to better themselves with, with, um, in, in any way. So that's the main way that we do it. And um, when you've helped somebody, what do you, what's success for you guys? What, when you, what do you, yeah, when you look, because I mean, some people look at, you know, dollars and cents and say, okay, well, this person's made this much money or whatever. But for you, because you're in the people business, how, how do you uh, determine success? Well, 30 per, 30% of Americans cannot cover a $400 emergency. So one measure of success for us is if I can get someone to get $500 in the bank, then I've taken them out of that 30%. Um, others suffer from low credit scores, m- much of which is not their own fault. They haven't been irresponsible or had bad behavior. They've just had uh, hits in life, uh, unpaid medical expenses. They've had uh, an automobile accident that, with an uninsured motorist, and their credit scores suffer from that. So we try to uh, help them get their credit score back into a place where they can be traditionally banked and get back into the credit system. And also, if I can help someone develop a long-term view of wealth, you know, wealth doesn't happen in uh, uh, a year or two. I ask our workshops Uh, Raise your hand if you've been the big winner on the lottery, and no one's ever raised their hand yet. It doesn't happen that way. It happens by having a long view of how you save money, put it away, invest it, leave it alone. And so if Commonwealth can do one of those three things, we have been successful with the individuals that we work with. Yeah, I think that's important because people don't know what they don't know if they're not from a family that has wealth. They don't have those habits. They don't know how to do that. And so... um, they're in this cycle where they're stuck, and so you guys are coming in and trying to sort of get them unstuck. Right. If you haven't been blessed with uh, larger amounts of income or with a family that has some assets, then you live in a constant state of uh, scarcity and poverty, and that induces trauma. And trauma with money is no different than trauma with abuse or trauma with violence. It impacts how you look at money always. And so trauma is not remembered, it's relived. So as soon as you have another experience with money that's negative, you will go back into the same trauma that you're in. We're trying to treat that trauma as much as we are their financial situation. Because if we can eliminate the stress uh, that causes trauma, then we can bring hope. And hope's what we're really trying to bring to people. So for a donor who wants to help treat that trauma, what happens with the money that we're going to give to you on Giving Tuesday? Well, on Giving Tuesday, we're promoting a brand new service that we have called My Affordable Home. It's made possible by a grant that we received from Bearings. And My Affordable Home is a way to promote housing sustainability. We hear a lot about housing affordability, but we don't hear a lot about sustainability. And that means someone owns their home. But we're trying to keep people there. So My Affordable Home is a program that allows people to get education and counseling, but also matched savings that go into a sustainability account so that when they have a water heater that goes out or a roof that needs repaired, they have the funds there to repair it, which helps them maintain their home, which is, for most Americans, the single source of wealth that that they have. So My Affordable Home, uh, we're we're asking people for um, $520 to do one year of matching. So if someone saves $20 a paycheck for 26 paychecks, that'll be $520. So if we get $520, we'll match that. 
$260 gives us six months of matching, and $40 gives us one month. So we're looking to find money to put into that pool for matched savings for low-income homeowners to sustain their housing. Yeah, because, I mean, you're right. Affordable housing is one thing, but then once you get a house, uh, it's not cheap to maintain all those things. Um, And you should be in your home for years, decades. We all want to be there. We all want to be in our homes. And, again, that's the the primary source of wealth for most Americans. So, uh, 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 you know, acquiring and accumulating wealth is not an um, affluent-only ambition. It's for everyone. So we're trying to keep people in their homes. And uh, that's what we think My Affordable Home will allow us to do. So how do I find you online? You can go to, this is the longest web address, I'm sorry, <laughs> commonwealthcharlotte.org. And when you get there, you can find out all about what we do. And there is a very, very convenient donate button right at the top menu. And follow that, and it will give you the guidelines for what we're looking for on Giving Tuesday. Awesome. So um, Commonwealth Charlotte. And if you don't know how to spell Charlotte or you spell it wrong, Google it. It will be fine. But CommonwealthCharlotte.org. CommonwealthCharlotte.org. It's long, but it's, it's easy to remember. So easy I think people will remember that. Well, I hope you have a successful Giving Tuesday. Thank you for all you do to help people. Um, it just sounds like you're really making a difference in, in people's lives. Well, thank you for helping us get the word out. And I hope you have a great day, too. Thank you so much. Well, do you know anybody else that should be heard and who's doing good in our community? Let me know. Tell me about someone or a nonprofit organization that should be heard on Do Good Charlotte. Reach out to me, Pamela Escobar, on social media. I'm Reporter Pam on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or go to the Queen City Podcast Network page and fill out the contact form for Do Good Charlotte. A big thanks to Share Charlotte and Community Matters Cafe. Make sure you use the hashtag DoGoodCLT and head to ShareCharlotte.com to find Find nonprofits looking for your help. There's good all around us. Let's hear about it. Queen City Podcast Network.com.